Eden. Okay, I'm liking Eden. Um, he's my guy, and I'll tell you why. A, because he's done this before, and B, because he's just sharp, right? He's just sharp. He's come off the Olympics, and I, as we know, the step up is not that great a thing. So speed-wise, he's going to be loaded. Um, really looking forward to seeing what he's going to bring to the table. I think Riff gets beaten. I, and I don't know by who. I just have a feeling. Like I had the same feeling that <laughs> Jorgensen was going to get beaten at the Olympics. <laughs> what a dumbass. Um, I, <laughs> I so regret that. You're listening to The Life of Try. It's triathlon for your ears. that I'm right not often at all <laughs> in fact many many would claim it's a rare <laughs> a rarity when it comes to tipping um, the man who said there would be no Brownlee gold in London the man who said that Jorgensen was also a shoe in to lose finally nailed one Kevin McKinnon at the Worlds uh, calling the win for uh, Eden which we'll get to in just a minute but uh, I thought I'd just open up well, the show with a bit of a crow yeah, well, and I'm I'm not sure that these are the best crows that you could ever have. Um, like, yeah, Eden was hands down a monstrous favorite. Um, the only other person who it seemed like, you know, could contend was Blumenfeld. Um, I guess he flatted. I still don't have any details on that. I need to check that out. But um, uh, yeah. yeah, Gustav Eden knows. Yeah. And then. Yeah, I, I wrote a whole story about how the heck does Daniela Reef win 70.3 worlds after two weeks after um, Ironman Switzerland and after that or her performance in um, uh, the Collins Cup. So, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there shouldn't be quite as much crowing going on as you're making out because this was this was an easy one. And it's you're right. But when you're as garbage as I, am, as I am at picking winners, right? Like I, as I said to you, I've got a history of doing real stupid picks. Um, I reckon I just, you know, like I finally got something nearer to the pin. Um, obviously with. But I think half the time you're making those picks just to annoy us and uh, <laughs> just to be controversial. I, I don't feel like there's any logic that goes behind them. The, like the, anyone who didn't pick Gwen Jorgensen and Alistair Brownlee and yeah, Alistair uh, Brownlee in 2012, you didn't pick that. No, nah, nah. you know what though? I kind of, I kind of go for the underdog. I'm a, I'm a kind of, you know, rooting for the underdog kind of setup. And I don't, as we talked about last week, um, I'm not a massive fan of dynasties. You know, I don't love the whole, you know, multiple wins. I don't love sports teams that win multiple um, events and championships. I don't love athletes who go around back to back to back to back. I find that all very, um, you know, very pedestrian and boring. Uh, and that's, again, I, I'm not, again, not taking away from the value that someone like that does. But I always like to not know really who's going to win. You know, it's going... Going to a race um, and not knowing is one of the greatest things. I mean, you know, you've been, I mean, how many times have you been in Kona? 400 times, right? You go there and everyone looks a million bucks and you're sitting there on a leaky drive, you know, and, and it's three days before and there's some dude running, you know, 250 minute K reps up and down there and he looks a million bucks and you go, that guy's going nowhere. A, he's highly strung and he's going to blow to pieces, but he's going nowhere because statistically, a lot of those people don't go anywhere in the race, you know. Um, but you don't know. Like, the unknown is the best. And I, I you know, I've long, long been saying a single-day world championship is the best thing ever. And I stand by so that. So I, I totally hear you on that. Um, but I, I guess I have always had this insane admiration for the people who somehow – overcome the insane pressure because or pressure that to to win so mm. you know i can't imagine what it's like for alistair brownlee to go into 2012 olympics in london you know home country and the entire country on your shoulders basically 
Um, I, I just, I can't imagine what that is like. And it always, um, I'm just always amazed at people who can deal with that. Cause I never could, I was a basket case when I raced. Um, and, um, and so I could never deal with that. And so I have extreme adver- admiration for the people who can. Um, yeah. And so that's, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. It's nice to see that change. Nice to see things move around, but I also, um, I have a lot of admiration, you know, and, and I, you guys have heard me say this a million times, Peter Reed, you know, his big quote, it, the hardest thing in our sport to do is defend your title in Kona. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I just, it's pretty amazing to me how the, uh, how these folks did it. So, yeah. I, I, look, I, and I, this is crazy town. We're going to agree again. I like that. I look, I do. I hear what you're saying a hundred percent. You know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because looking at big sports and I'm talking about the, you know, the sports that the world knows, um, tennis, golf, NBA, NFL, um, MLB to a certain point, you know, those big sports, you know, in NHL and I'm talking American based sports, just EPL two, probably English Premier League soccer and Syria are, soccer those bigger leagues um those guys and girls who play in that space i mean that that's every week isn't it i mean you know triathlon and triathlon pros is a pretty sheltered lot and they're not exposed to the world like these other athletes are i mean and you talk about the talent it takes to you know to take that on you know, every time LeBron misses a free throw, the world knows about it and he gets trashed or he gets, you know, caned by 27,000 people on this and that. And, you know, when Djokovic loses or, you know, Ash Barty can't get up to the final or, you know, the weight of expectation is enormous. Triathlon, we we kind of periscope depth. We kind of get under the surface. Not to say that it's not as demanding. It's just not the pressure or I guess is not as amplified. Um, so I guess what, here's what I would like to respond to that is, yes, I, I, I sort of hear that, but LeBron James, he misses the free throws two nights later or the next night, sometimes even he gets a chance to come back yeah. and do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Good um, triathlon, you don't, like, especially if you're an Ironman um, athlete or a full distance athlete, um, you know, you, you might have to wait six months, You some, like for Kona. You've got to wait a year. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, so, it, so to me, that just ramps up the pressure even more because it's this, you've only got so many chances, you yeah. know, like you think about, um, uh, I'm trying to, I'm, I would imagine Paul and Newby Fraser did Kona maybe almost 20 times, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not even sure on that. That's 20 times. LeBron plays 80 games in a year. She, she did Kona 20 times in her life. So uh, I just feel like it ramps up that pressure even more. It does. And, and it's almost like those Olympic athletes too, you know, the ones that are, there was a story and I, I don't know his name. I'm not obviously a huge boxing fan, but there's an Aussie boxer who I think got to the last three or four, you know, and he was all about it. And and when he lost, he, he was kind of stunned. Like the, the, the look on his face, he was just stunned. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go back and train and go back. It's like, it's four long years, man. Like that's, I know three with what they delayed with, with Tokyo, but still it's a massive road to redemption to come back. And I hear what you're saying. And it is that two, twofold to that. A, triathlon never gets its superstars together often enough. That's a massive problem. I've always said that. Anyone who's heard me speak anything in the last decade knows that's <laughs> my constant bugbear. Um, the second thing is, yeah, you're right. We don't race often enough, you know, to do an Ironman, you're not, you're not backing up next week, PGA style or ATP style to, to do it again, or EPL style where they might go to Europe in, on a Wednesday night and play and then get back to their regular league game on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, you're right. The road to redemption is long, um, amplifies the pressure hundred percent, not diminishing too. before everyone starts jumping up and down. I'm not getting too, I'm not saying the pressure is not as great on Fredino as it is on uh, Djokovic. I'm just saying there's a, a shit ton more eyes on it with for Djokovic. Yeah, than it is absolutely. On and we know that we know that it doesn't diminish the athletic prowess. It doesn't diminish what he's doing or what anyone else is doing, but you know, I, you know, I guess it's levels, isn't it? It's levels of where things are. If you're in a stadium in front of a hundred thousand people, then you're, it's it, everything you do is in a, under a microscope. Whereas triathletes or 
you know, can, even like cycling, you see it too, because there's 400 motorbikes with 400 cameras, 16 helicopters following everything you do. When you make a mistake, it is amplified by, you know, a lot. Whereas in triathlon, you can make mistakes to a certain degree. It's not as evident for starters. Um, there's no timeout. There's no um, coaches. There's none of that. But your mistakes are yours. And you don't find that out until the post-race when athlete A says, hey, at this level, I should have done this, or I didn't expect that. Um, and, and that's when you find the real story, I guess. Um, and it's an interesting one, isn't it? We look at different sports and how they, how they um, are viewed. Um, and triathlon certainly flies under the radar for a lot of things. But the one thing I wanted to, did want to bring up was an interesting little jar opened to this week was that um, the Ironman CEO, Andrew Messick, was suggesting um, that Kona, if it does get to February and we're still in a world of hurt, um, they may potentially, and the quote was, take the race out of Kona, the world title. Um, Kevin, this opens up a Pandora's box. Uh, and there was a lot of chirp on the old social media about where it might go. Um, what are your thoughts? So um, I feel like Ironman desperately needs to get this race done in February, which is why um, Andrew Messick is talking about this. So, um, you know, there was a very interesting uh, update posted on the Ironman updates page about Brazil. Um, and don't worry, I am eventually getting to answering your question. Um, <laughs> but what I found fascinating was they, they're basically, they're quote unquote postponing because Ironman never cancels anything. It's just postponed. Um, the, all of the races in December and January to later in 2022. And at the end of the note, it said, basically, don't even think about trying to enter. We all we're doing is taking uh, like uh, delayed entries or whatever it's called, uh, deferred mm. entries. Mm. And I, all I could think was Iron Man, like they're not making a cent, right? Like this is all money that, you know, they took two or three years ago. Um, and, you know, they're in desperate need of getting new entries. Well, for Kona, like at some point they've got to put this race on so that they don't have a weight like this massive of 4,000 people or mass of 4,000 people who are trying to race in Kona. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know, you know, when I started at Ironman, you know, we were told 1700, that's it, or 1500, that's mm -hmm. it. Um, there's no more that'll fit on that, on that pier. And then it was 1700 and then it was 1900 and then it was 2000. And it was like, that is it. There is no more room. And now they're up to, you know, I think 2250 or 2400, you know, um, but there's no way unless they build a second floor that they're getting <laughs> 4,000 on that pier. No. So they've got to get a race done. And so this is why they're now at the point, um, you know, with Hawaii and, and, you know, it's, you know, the Hawaii government's trying to protect their population. Right. So yeah, you know, and they it's, got a crazy a amount island. of cases. Yeah. It's they, a small island this, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a small group of islands and, you know, they just kind of have to say, yeah, we're, we're going to shut things down. Um, and they're, you know, they're not going to feel that, that they need to give Iron Man three months notice. Um, so, you know, Andrew or Iron Man's trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this? Um, so I'm not even remotely surprised that this is, is up there. Um, I think one of the other options that he threw out, which I thought was really interesting, was the just doing, if they had to, they would postpone the 2022 February race and just do that in February 2023. And then my guess is that they would just run all of the qualifiers, everyone who's qualified now in the regular October slot. Um, and, um, but, you know, that's going to, all these people who are, you know, qualified for February now are going to throw a fit saying, Oh no, I want to race in, in October. So yep. Iron Man's in this insane, no win scenario. And, um, and you've so got the, I feel like the they've world, got to get the race done. Yeah. The world's split too, right? So if you look at Australia, which has a hardline approach to something, you look at Florida, for example, where they don't want anything. 
Um, you can do whatever you like in Florida. Um, they certainly don't want any sort of form of reform or anything <laughs> like that. It's You want to talk about nut, nutty places. I mean, Florida might be it for me. Um, hello to all my Floridian friends. Um, but so, so just are, yeah. uh, they're, they're posting tweets right now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and you've got, you know, like Europe, obviously with different expectations as well. And, and we discussed with you in your travels in the last few weeks that, you know, one country is doing one thing, one country is doing another, it's hard. And if you're a small island, a small chain of islands and, you know, Kona's small, there's not a big hospital there. You don't want a bunch of people rolling in where you could literally mess the entire population up. That being said, where does it go? Like, and and is it the same? And does it that is that the thin point of the wedge now for a rotating world title? And does Kona lose its prestige as the world title? I mean, there's a lot of sort of layers to this. Um, if they decide to move it now, people were talking about Asia and Middle East and stuff like that, and then there was you know, which again, sort of a throw a dart at the world map. I don't know if we yeah, need to. I, I've, I've wrestled long and hard with, um, you know, the different options. Um, so to me, it's it's hard to figure out whether or not Iron Man um, sticks with a, it needs to be in the U.S. Yeah. Um, if they go with that line, then I think, uh, my uh, to me, um, the options are, you know, somewhere in Florida, as you say, um, but good grief, like, yeah. Um, you know, Kona's already a draft fest enough, and uh, you know, there's there's nowhere other than Claremont where you're going to find some some hills. So yeah, you, know, you, you head to the Great Floridian, but they're going to want to do it in a uh, place where they go. Panama City, I think the water's going to be too cold um, for a February event, uh, so you got to go somewhere southern Florida. Um, Somebody suggested to me Lake Las Vegas, you know, just uh, oh, yeah. same uh, uh, where they used to hold the 70.3 world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're close to Las Vegas. Um, you've got just some insane potential there. Um, so, uh, so if, and then somewhere in California, I guess you've got some options. San Diego, I don't know how cold the water would be, but you might be able to make uh, a San Diego work which would be kind of cool birthplace place of the sport, um, all that kind of thing. So, um, the, uh, so those, those are some of my thoughts, um, in terms of if they, uh, they stick in the U S um, if they're willing to go to Mexico, Cancun, uh, would be a spot. Again, you've got the issue of the dead flat course, which wouldn't be great. I think Majorca in February, uh, is still going to be a little bit on the cool side. You could make Lanzarote work. Lanzarote yeah. would be a perfect Ironman World Championship course. Um, absolutely perfect. But um, I can't see Ironman um, throwing that bonus to uh, a licensee. Um, so I just don't know that uh, that would happen. Um, but, um, you know, and somebody threw out their uh, Bahrain. Yeah, and, I saw that too. And that would, you know, they would no doubt pay uh, Boku de Cash, Abu Dhabi as well uh, to host something like that. And I, um, I, would, I would think there'd be a problem with Bahrain. Um, you know, money does talk, but I would think it, it's almost, I don't know, it's almost probably not the answer. Um, and, and, and in the second point to all this, where, where it does land, um, you know, obviously anywhere this side of the world is never going to happen. Um, what, where, where does Kona, is, where is Kona left then? You know, if it, if countries start bidding and start making this about a war chest, you know, and they want to start putting money back into Iron Man, does that mean that Kona uh, is in jeopardy of being, listed as a race but the world title is a you know like a traveling circus like 70.3 is that model going to happen are we are we facing that now and is that do you think you know and again we're none of us are within the walls of iron man but surely that's been discussed you know is is kona it because as you said is limited to a number of things kona it's limited to field size it's limited to capacity of people there um, you know, yes, it does have 
all the bells and whistles of a very dramatic place to race. But, you know, we are rapidly seeing a shifting movement in the sport of triathlon, and maybe this is another one. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm struggling to come up with a definitive answer on that. Yeah. Um, so my, my first thought is, no, this would be a one-off, you know, coming out of a pandemic, the world's in a nutty, nutty situation. This is what we've got to do to just get this one race done. And then we're coming back to, um, you know, the roots and the heart and, and of the sport and back to Kona. Um, and, you know, cause that is what, what separates Ironman from everything else. It's, um, you know, and you know yourself, like when, when people find out, oh, you're a triathlete. Um, yeah. Have you done an Ironman? Um, well, yeah. Have you done the one in Hawaii? Like yep. that's what, you know, and, and this is what keeps Ironman going. The, the reason challenge keeps struggling um, to, you know, sort of move up to that any, any higher level is because first thing Monday morning, when people, you know, come into work, um, and they want to brag about, you know, the iron or the, the race that they did, you know, Hey, what you do on the weekend? Oh, I did a full distance triathlon. What the hell's that? Well, you know, it's an <laughs> Ironman. This, oh, is it the one in Hawaii? Well, no, it wasn't the one in Hawaii. Oh, oh, well, you know, and, and triathletes are vain enough that that makes a big difference. They get so, the Ironman logo tattooed on their bloody calf, mate, or on their body somewhere. You can't yes. tell me you are a hundred percent right. Kevin McKinnon. This is so, perfectly um, analyzed on that point is that that's the jewel in the crown, right? Absolutely. But um, so, yeah, I, I, so I, that, that's my first kind of thought, but money talks yeah. and um, you know, Iron Man uh, got sold last year uh, or yeah. Wanda was it last year? And then, you know, Wanda sold it and um took a monstrous bath on it um and you know the next owners are going to want to make their their money back now they're in it for the long haul i i firmly believe that that's what they say and their track record in terms of companies um is to keep stuff for a long time and build it but at the end of the day there is that build it right like so um you know iron man I don't know what they finally ended up paying 385 million, 400 million, whatever. Let's just call it half a billion. Um, they're not going to want to sell it for 200 million. They want to sell it for 800 million, 900 yeah. million, a billion. Um, and um, one of the ways that, you know, this could maybe be lucrative is with that, that traveling roadshow, you know, and, and uh, you, you turn into the Olympics, right? So, you know, the, yeah. The IOC guys are, they're in for pretty much the highest bid. Like, you know, you come up with what's going to make us the most money. And that's where it is now, isn't it? I mean, the, the sport is evolving so quickly that this is a real, I think it's a reality. I think it's something that really could happen. And I would be appalled if it did, because I think, you know, Kona is just the perfect storm of what you want in a triathlon. It's testing, it's, you know... It is yep. a, a great course, even though it does get crowded. Um, but that marathon, you know, there's those famed Elite Drive, there's Polani, um, you know, the Queen K Highway, Digby Beach, all the, you know, the Harvey Express, all the things that made this sport amazing live in Kona. Um, and each year, you know, you know in October each year that the pros live and breathe by what happens in October. You can be crap for nine months of the year, 12, 11 months of the year, you go one month and you go into October and you're going well and that's your season. You know, if you've got a real propensity to race in the heat, you do really well. So countering that though, as you said, what happens if I am just not that good in the heat? You know, those athletes, we miss out. If we have a rotating and we have a moving circus and we can pick it up in the heat, we can pick it up in the cool, you know, different parts of the world can see it, different um Groups can bid for it and we can start and make some money. We can expose the sport to a range of different people who might never have seen it before. We can build a television audience. You know, there are things around that that they are probably thinking. And again, Kevin, there are smarter dudes and uh, smarter women in the world a lot than me uh, who are figuring this out. But I would look at it as an opportunity 
to break away from Kona if I'm standing yeah, there no, in the cold light of day. I, absolutely. And there's much smarter brains figuring all this stuff out than mm-hmm. I as well. Um, I, I, I still, I, I'm with my first thought and your initial thought of, yeah, I don't, I don't see them moving away from Kona. It is their bread and butter. They, you know, they know that it is, and um, it is what separates everything. So you're trying to come up with other championships. Um, and, you know, in the, the other thing that I was thinking of, as you were talking about all of this stuff and the rotating thing, it might, they might need to keep things in Kona to differentiate themselves from a PTO who are going to have a moving calling Collins cup. Um, you know, so it, it might end up being Kona is the logical thing to do as your differentiation. You know, you're the, you're the one brand that every single year you're coming back to the same place. Yeah. Um, you and, know, and- as, as the masters, um, uh, as the masters does, right? Like it's always played in, uh, wherever that course is, uh, Augusta. Augusta. There we go. Yeah, um, and and but you don't change that stuff. Like like I was saying, you know, there's all these attractive options, but you, if you're sitting there with a, you know, with a winner, you don't get off that. You, it's no. it's the one race outside of the Olympics, right? And so for three years, it rules everything. It trumps everything. You get a winning Kona, and everything else pales. I'd imagine, but it does. I would think sponsors and I would think the, you know, what you can get from that commercially, it all pales with, um, in, if you're winning in Kona, right? Everything else is just whatever. Um, and I think that the sport needs Kona to stay put. It needs to stay where it is as a championship um, because, yeah, there is simply no better race in the world. And Roth, Roth gets close and, other races, you know, have a go, but they're still nowhere near it. They're just nowhere near it. And and I think uh, Ironman would know that. And if I was on the board, I would be firmly against it. But we've given it a fair bit of oxygen. Who knows where it's going to land? It is a put a pin in it and we'll move on. Hey, um, uh, while we're sort of talking a little bit about this, the whole idea of the calendar for triathlon, this is, again, a tiny little bugbear. I'll make this a small point, Kevin. Because we don't have a ruling body in triathlon, um, what we get is what we get. Right. Now. World triathlon? You're not nah, familiar nah, with nah, that? No, nah, they're not even near it. No, nah, they're nowhere near it. Um, because they don't they don't have anything to do with Ironman. They've got nothing to do with um, – I mean, when I say nothing to do with – I'm talking about this glut of races. Challenge throws one up there, then you've got PTO chucked one in there, and then you've got – you know, an Ironman here, and then you've got, um, you know, World Triathlon um, racing. Like, it's just all over the shop. It's just everywhere. At what point do you think are they going to try to look at syncing a calendar that makes the best sense for everybody? And is that me living in a dream world where I'm playing Enya walking around a meadow with a jumper tied around my uh, shoulders? So I think that they're already trying to do that. It's not happening at all this year because um, because the pandemic has just thrown everything out the window. Mm-hmm. So everybody is like, we're we're putting our races on when we can because that's what we got to do. Uh, so Super League was like, we're going in September, and um, you know, and I, I think there was a little bit of accommodation um, in terms of mm-hmm. you know, not obviously not trying to put. Um, a super league event on around Edmonton. But I think that was more the athletes saying, this is when we're available guys, like yeah. September. Um, and, um, but yeah, I, I, I think there is, I, I think uh world triathlon has a little more um, sway and say, than um, than you're making out uh, simply because of the Olympics um, and because of the uh, governing bodies, um, so you know NGBs and 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 that's um, where so many athletes uh, get their start and actually are able to, it's not make a heck of a living, but at least get supported as they start in the sport. So I think there's there's a little bit of stuff there, um, but yeah, I, I I think the challenge is going to be, and I think PTO is. Um, you know, been doing a great job of kind of working around that and figuring out when they 
can do events, but at some point we're going to have that um, knocking of heads where PTO wants to put on the Collins Cup in a good time frame, um, and we could have some other things going on. Well, it's not good for the sport, though, is it? I mean, it's not in anyone's interest to put this, you know, and I, and I completely get what you're saying this year because it is. It's like, hey, go, get it on. It's, you know, the world's opening up. Let's get this race done. But going forward, you know, Challenge, Ironman, World Triathlon, PTO have got to sit around a big table, identify some marquee events, and see if they can come to a consensus about when they have them. Because um, it's not good for the sport. It's just not. It, it's depleting an already narrow pool, you know. Um, and I think they've got to really look at that as as a priority going forward. And the PTO have got to work to this. I mean, it's all great to be putting on the Collins Cup. That's all the shiny, bright stuff. The other stuff is digging into this sort of stuff and saying, well, what can we do for our members that gives them exposure to the best races, gives them the opportunity to race the best races, and doesn't clog up uh, an entire calendar, you know, where we've got four yeah. races in a weekend where you're like, Jesus, you know. And that's why you get shit fields. Right, because you've got four different races on, you know. Remember, in, and and this has been going on forever. You get a women's field of three or four women, you know, or you get a male pro field with with five guys, of which three aren't even pros. They're kind of dudes who work at a bike shop most of the time, you know. So you get crappy fields, you get low numbers, um, and then you you get this because there are sixteen other different races going on, or you get the one star showing up to a race, blows it to pieces, male or female, doesn't matter. Um, and, and, and that's because, you know, all the other good people are at another race and spread across the, the whole sort of, um, triathlon calendar. I think they've got to pull themselves into this and start working together a little bit better. I would, yeah, I, I, I think so. I would, I sort of feel like the PTO has done a reasonable job with that because they're so member driven, right? So, you know, you look at the board and, you know, there's Lionel Sanders, there's Alistair Brownlee, uh, there's Tim O'Donnell. Um, I think Miranda Carfrey is very involved. Like, so there's a lot of people who are going to sit there and say, October, like September, October, out of bounds, guys, because we've got to get ready for Kona. Um, so you look at, uh, you know, the PTO so far, you know, yes, they had to put the Collins Cup on in August, but that was just pandemic stuff. But they seem to be pretty set and determined to go for May. Um, and, you know, there's not a whole lot happening on the Ironman front there's certainly not a world championship happening in May um, so that seems to be okay and then uh, the world triathlon like that's draft legal that's a whole different uh, sport really and yes we've had a few people sort of going back and forth and playing around with that but um, I think for the most part you're gonna you're, you need to specialize um, you know Christian Blumenfeld's managed to do both um, but, you know, Lucy Charles, as well as she did um, in uh, in Leeds and obviously could be a total Olympic potential person. Um, you know, I think once she starts getting serious about 70.3 stuff, she's not looking at, at race and draft legal. So um, so I think that, you know, those are two different worlds. Um, so I think you've got PTO and Ironman who have to work together and figure things out. Um and then you've got uh, Super League and World Triathlon who are going after the same athletes. So It's an interesting um, one. I'll, I'll disagree a little bit on that. I think the the opportunity for 70.3 is very good for the, um, the World Triathlon guys and girls. But in saying that, what's the likelihood of PTO and Ironman sitting down, having a, a frogert and um, you know chatting about it? It's not going to happen. I mean, there's a fairly distinct line between the two wouldn't you say well iron man sees pto as a competitor um so that's why they're not ready to sit down and and chat and take money from the pto and stuff the pto is very much um interested in working with athletes and and the athletes are the are the main goal you know if you talk to charles adamo that's their deal you know, he, he doesn't want to have a big fight with Iron Man. He just wants to do whatever he can to help triathletes or help the you know long distance triathletes make a living. So, um, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting um, it's an interesting relationship that those two um, entities have. And I don't, yeah, you got me as to how that one gets all sorted out. But so far, it seems to be you know, as I said, 
you know, PTOs like doing their best to make sure that the athletes can get to the Ironman events that they need to and want to, um, and are, are looking to do their own thing. But I think we've talked about this before. Eventually PTO has to start figuring out how they're going to make money. And to me, one of those things is going to have to be putting on events and taking in entries. And that's what Ironman thinks. And that's um, where Ironman sees them as being a competitor. Like yeah, right so now, they, uh, you've got a billionaire funding them. That's great. But at some point, they're going to have to start looking at a model similar to Ironman's to make money. Well, you got to think then, are you, a, are you a PTO or are you a race organizer? You know, like what's the mandate? Like, and again, you could sit there in a room, you and I could, you know, you could be from Challenge, I could be from Iron Man, we could have PTO sitting around the corner and the three of us could say, hey, I think A, B and C and we could go, I'm not doing that and I don't have to do anything. There's no one pulling the strings to say, hey, you three sit down, figure this out or there's going to be, you know, loss of a, um, of a registration or as a license or something. Like it's the wild west and that's, again, another part of the problems in this free sort of free market where you and I tomorrow, Kevin, could start our own triathlon distance of a 200-meter swim, a 65K bike, and a 1K run, and we could call it a world title and have it, and it would be legit. You know, it would be considered legitimate because you can just own your own world title, apparently, in this sport. Um, yeah, there, there, there needs to be something around this. There needs to be a better a better um, dialogue around this and a better opportunity for um, the pros to switch and to have more opportunity. Because they'll start finding other things to do if they're confined to the one thing, I think. Anyway. Well, and this, I know that you want to put this to bed. I'm just going to quickly say that is the dilemma. That is the huge challenge with triathlon. Um, you know, Les McDonald, the founder of the ITU, which is now World Triathlon, you know, the one thing that Les would always throw at me when I worked at Ironman and he was at ITU. He'd always say, Kevin, it makes no sense that a private company owns a world championship. Easy and I'd say, Les, you got me. I've got no <laughs> answer to that. You are 100% right. But that's the way this, this is. And, you know, the, unfortunately, that's the way our sport started. It started, in many, you know, yes, it, the first triathlon was in San Diego, yada, yada. The first real triathlon that everyone paid attention to and cared about was Kona, was the Ironman. Mm -hmm. um, and Les McDonald, the first time I met him, couldn't wait to tell me how he was a five-time Ironman world champion. So I just, you know, found it unbelievably hypocritical that they, he would then turn around and say, well, they shouldn't be able to call themselves a world championship, you know? So yeah. um, that is the, and, and we could do a whole podcast. We could do a whole season of podcasts trying to go through that one. Yeah, one time we just need to do a podcast where we fix triathlon. <laughs> we like a, one of those DIY shows where we fix triathlon. You know, give us four days, we'll fix the whole joint. Um, I yes, we are we are sitting on each other's wheel on this one, which is a good thing. Hey, the seventy point three worlds were, as we said at the very top of the the, uh, the podcast, um, I was a little bit flat on them, a little bit flat. Um, let's just discuss. What unfolded real quick with some of the uh, let's just look at the men, of course. Um, look, he Gustav Gustav uh, was going always going to win this one. We sort of had that feeling, as you said as well. It's not it wasn't a hard one to pick. The guy is unbelievable. He was in very fine form, um, and yeah, really put uh, put it down. It, the surprise, I guess, was uh, Sam Long for a lot of people who didn't think, and myself included, he didn't think he, would, he could swim. But clearly... Well, he didn't swim. He was well back after the, after the swim. Well, we thought uh, it would kill him off, you know, athletically speaking, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and no, hey, what a race for Sam Long. Uh, fantastic. Um, so my take on these things is... If you're going to come out of the water two plus minutes back, you can podium, but you can't win. Winners mm. now are like from, you know, and Eden was a minute back, uh, but was able to able to uh, make that up. But that's, you know, my sort of take now is that, you know, you want to be the winner. You got to be able to swim. 
um, I don't know if I uh, where where uh, where you'd fall on that one, um, but yeah. So this is the Sam Long challenge. This is the Lionel Sanders challenge. Um, they've got to figure out how they can improve their swim so that they're in the mix from that because. Gustav Eden, like, did you know, the guy pulled away over the last half of the bike. So it's yeah. not like he's a weak cyclist and then just, you know, kills everyone on the on the run. Like, this guy, super solid in the water, great cyclist, great runner. Hmm. Um, he just built, then, he's, he kind of just strangles them, doesn't he? He just, just increases the pressure until, you know, everyone uh, blows to pieces. But I agree, I like, I, I, that analogy works for me. You, if you're in a 70.3, there's no, there's not enough road in that half marathon for you to get it back because of how fast the Edens of the world are, you know, who can just, you know, rip off the, you know, blindingly quick half marathon and be done in the Ironman. You have more of a chance to get that back because of the marathon and, you know, weird stuff happens after that sort of in that 28 to 35 K zone, you know, like weird stuff happens. Anything can happen. Um, you know, one minute you're up and about the next minute, the piano's on your back or the gorilla's hitting you or whatever analogy you want to use. But in 70.3 racing, if you get the swim wrong, you use a lot of energy trying to get back, which, you know, Long was doing. And it was a credit to him for getting that close. I think it was a four minutes, three minutes. Um, he, he really closed it back, but it was, as you said, it was not ever going to be his day. I never thought, I never thought that was well, going at, at the end of the day, he lost time on the bike and he lost time on the run to Eden. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know, clawed back, well clawed back to everybody else, but yeah, <laughs> he wasn't clawing back to the, to the win. And I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you on the Ironman front. When was the last time somebody, uh, won, won in Kona, who was well back after the swim. And I think, uh, to me, you've got to go back to Sebastian Kiela in, what was that, 2014 he won? Yeah, um, Carfrey. Carfrey was the other famous one, wasn't it? 14 minutes. Yes, um, but, you know, and how far back was that? Or what year was that? Was that 2015? Oh, um, God, that was, that was dinosaur. No, that was well back. I reckon that would have been... So, um, yeah, well. and, and before that... Um, you know, you had uh, Chrissy Wellington, quite a reasonable swimmer. Um, so you've got to go, and then, and in terms of the men's, you got to go all the way back to Norman, right? So, so I, I you know, I, I think we're missing the the thing here. It's become the rarity in the last twenty years where the weaker swimmers, the you know, the Zach attack, yada yada yada, people flying on through the through the bike. You, you've got to be there. Um, to be in that mix. Well, how many times yeah. did we see Crowe Alexander run down Chris Lieto in 70.3? Or Terenzo do the same thing? Yeah, but are you? But Crowe and Terenzo, both reasonable swimmers. Those Not, guys, yeah. the, the, um, so you're talking about people pounding away on the bike. Um, and that's great. But if you're um, if you're expending an insane amount of energy on the bike and you can't follow it up with a run, so like Crowe, um, Crowe and Lieto were I think were pretty close out of the water, um, and then it was Lieto going bonsai on the bike uh, <laughs> and not being able to back that up with a run. Yeah. Right. So uh, I just I think it's the the writing is on the on the wall or on the table or whatever you want to say, like it's, you got to swim. It's pretty simple. And Olympic distance athletes, the, the world triathlon guys are just insanely good at that. You know, their ability to swim fast is ridiculous. You know, they can just hold it at a level that the guys who haven't gone through that and the girls, of course, but, um, they they just can't hold that level of, of swimming. It's just they are insanely quick. Um, and that's, again, you know, like you're saying, all those guys and girls who have come across, it just 70.3 to them is the, the swim's a joke. It's just how how hard can I hammer this? Um, but the... Then, well, look at... Hopefully you're going to talk the women's race now. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just going to quickly top five it with Eden. Now I'm going to make these... You know I'm not good at these names, right? So Eden Long... Uh, the Dane Daniel 
Beckard. Correct. Uh, Mickey Targholt in fourth, and one of your compatriots, uh, Jackson Landry, or Jackson Laundry, I should say. I'm yeah, Jackson, Jackson Laundry was yeah. so excited, so excited for Jackson. Uh, you know, just he's um, uh, he's a great guy. And uh, the last world's 2019 in Nice, he went over the side of the mountain. Uh, if you look at the picture on our website um, of him, I've got a you know shot of him that Jordan Bryden um, took. Jordan Bryden, by the way, is the defending Ultraman world champion. So not only a pretty awesome triathlete, but a great photographer. Um, but if you look at that picture, you can see the huge scar on his shoulder still. Um, I went to interview him in December after that accident and like, you know, the scar on his back is insane. So it is a miracle that this guy's back able to race again and racing at that kind of level um, is uh, just so awesome. Great mm. guy and wonderful to see somebody, uh, you know, put that sort of dedication and work into uh, coming back. Yeah, it's good to see new faces or, um, you know, unexpected ones getting up there um, in the women's race. Now, if you, uh, everything I see on social media, I believe. Let's put it. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy Charles Barclay's social media game is the, I would say, next to Fredino's. And I'm going to give Ben Hoffman a real, and Heather Jackson. They're my top group of, uh, and, and also the Aussie crew who have got corrupt working with them as well like that lot they make really good stuff but those yeah, they're, they're, Crowley, uh, definitely throw sarah crowley in that mix yeah they're really on it and i think lucy charles barclay and fredino and hoffman are my well they're my podium for the moment um but they do really good stuff and she's just dynamite like the things that she puts out and you know how she sort of how she portrays what she does is very cool. So I believed that she was in very good form. I believed that she was very fit um, because I saw it on social media. So it must have been true. Um, she she was dynamite though. I mean, she just, it was her first daylight second and third. Um, just is a, the women's race for mine is a lot more interesting. Obviously you've got Lucy Charles Barkley flying around the course. You've got Daniela Riff not, and people are saying that she's ill still she's come off a, as you said top of the sh uh, podcast she's just come off and i mean i how you are not just blunted is beyond me um then you've got uh metzler coming in second and then the wonderkind of taylor nib on the road bike still the footage of her on the road bike's nutty as you like to say you crazy canadian um <laughs> It's just it's just bonkers that she doesn't, you know, that she runs that. I love it. It's just march to a beat of your own drum. Kat Matthews and Emma Pallant. So Great Britain grabbing three of the top five spots, um, solidifying them as, I think, the dominant world force in triathlon at the moment across a number of different areas, the UK. But uh, it was all about uh, LCB who doing what she does so well, and that's delivering on that potential we knew she had. Yeah, well, and fastest swim of the day, fastest bike of the day, fastest run of the day. Unbelievable. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and yeah. I don't think she was ever, you know, yeah, We again, we talked about it last week in sort of previewing, but she, I don't think she was ever, it just didn't seem like it was ever hers to lose. Uh, sorry, it was hers to lose, sorry. And and she was never going to get headed. I never thought she was going to get headed. Um, I, Reef just takes on too much. There's too much going on there and, and she's obviously not well. Um, yeah, she, yeah. Da Daniela Reef is not uh, not herself, um, absolutely. And um, yeah, the the bubble sort of. I don't know if at first like Taylor Nib gets third and stuff, but um, yeah, like Lucy did a great job of never letting Taylor Nib get in the mix. Yeah. Um, so like right from you know had had Taylor been able to stay close enough out of the water and you know, see Lucy on the bike, does that change the dynamics and everything? And Lucy just made sure that never happened. Yeah. So, um, but then, you know, and, and we talked about this, um, I think last week, you know, Lucy just set everything up this year for, for this to, to all happen, you know, going to Olympic trials in the, in the swim and doing the short course stuff, working on all of the 
all of the things that she needed to to um, to go after the 70.3 world title. And, um, you know, I think even Daniela Reef at her best struggles to be in this mix. Uh, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't ever discount her as being, you know, potentially being able to compete there, but whew, yeah, um, you really have to be on um, mm. to, uh, to beat Lucy Charles on that day. Yeah, I agree. I just, I don't think anyone's going to beat her after, you know, she was just in a world of her own. Uh, and it's cool. Because, and I think it's good. It, it, what the, the reef uh, lack of form or illness or whatever it comes down to, all that does is open up that opportunity for someone else. But it opens up women's racing, which has been so ridiculously good uh, over the last few years. Um, but with the shadow of reef over everything, you know, um, women are getting faster. The, the race is a lot more competitive. Um, and we're seeing really good matchups. It just, it, it, I think, as I said, we take out the dominant sort of force. And I, I know that Charles Barkley was fantastic, but then you look at, you know, the other four women in that top five all separated by four minutes. I mean, that's some good racing there, right? That's still really good and really close. And, you know, you know, maybe, you know, in another another race we do this next week and maybe she doesn't go as well or maybe we see a close race or Taylor Nib pulls out something more special. I just think that the potential for women's racing right now is really good. Um, and, you know, you think about taking – you take your opportunities, don't you? someone gets not on the boil, they're not racing as well as they are, and you take your opportunity to win a world title. And great things happen from that. Sometimes yeah. you just flare and, up. And I think Lucy Charles, um, you know, I, I think there will always be this, oh, well, you know, Daniela is not whatever. But I think she answered a lot of that with just yeah. that race, right? Like it's, you know, just wins by 818, um, and fastest, as I said, fastest in all three. You know, she just dominated, and and so I, I think absolutely uh, great. And now it'll be fun to see. Um, I think you are one hundred percent right. Everyone now kind of goes, you know what? We can beat Danielle. Whereas yeah, three, four years ago, everyone was like, well, Danielle is out there. We're racing for second. Yeah, um, those days are done. Everyone's in there now, saying, yeah, we are one hundred percent gunning for it yeah it just puts o2 into the whole thing gives everyone a bit of you know a shot of oxygen to go this is you know now breathing life back into this place and I, that's it and that's what dynasties do as well is that they sort of cut out the interest in a sport because you're going oh well you know athlete yx whatever whoever it is is going to show up and win yeah and they take on the pressure like we talked about but it does blunt it a little bit hey um let's move on real quick to uh super league my favorite of all the leagues uh, did you see the sprint finish between Brown Lee and Alex Yee um, in Jersey this weekend? I I did not actually see it, but I um, you know certainly read about it. And yeah, how cool is that? Well, I was watching it and, you know, you want to see two guys who were, if it was a heavyweight boxing match, the two of them would have been standing in the center of the ring, just punching the crap out of each other. That's what they were doing. Um, it was one, the other, and then the cornering. Um, and then Alex Yee, of course, took the uh, the victory for the Eagles. Come on, Eagles. Love me some Eagles. Um, over uh, Johnny Brownlee. Fantastic racing. Like two, and again, British athletes are as much as it absolutely pains me. And you probably on my wheel on this one because we're all part of the Commonwealth where our job is to not like each other. But British athletes are just at the moment doing all sorts of good things because um, – you know, they have all these good athletes across all the distance. And, of course, in the women's race, um, Jess Learmouth wins. And Georgia yep. Taylor-Brown comes second. I mean, geez, what's going on here? Oh, yeah. It's – it's um, yeah, Great Britain. Can you imagine uh, – like, you looked at some of the people who didn't make their Olympic team, and you kind of go, that would be everyone else's yeah. Olympic team. Like, they, they probably – I'm not sure how many. They certainly had at least five in the uh, in the top thirty, and I fear they might have had six in the top thirty. Right, so that you know potentially two Olympic teams. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, I, they're, I can they're... you know I can recall Kevin back when you know way back when swimming with this dude who was the top ten ranked in the world in breaststroke, and he was the fourth wheel on the Australian team. 
couldn't get in. There was yep. three guys ahead of him. So this is what's happening in Britain at the moment. They're just this traffic jam of good athletes everywhere. Yeah. Well, but, and I would argue you've got the same thing for German, uh, German men uh, long distance, and they're mm -hmm. rapidly getting to that point where um, over the full distance, like, I don't know if you saw Laura Phillips, 830, what did she go? 835 in Austria. Yeah. Now I'm guessing that run course was um, a little short, mm -hmm. um, but um, you know, regardless, like I think she ran, she ran 243 or something insane. Um, and, you know, the men's winner, winner went 235. So if you just go by the differential, it just shows you how fast she was going. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, uh, so yeah, it, it, like Germany in the, in the long distance, Norway in the men's, um, sort of that uh, Olympic distance, middle distance. Uh, you, so you've got a few countries who are, are obviously doing a lot of stuff very right. Um, and unfortunately I can't name Canada as one of those. And no. I don't, I'm not sure that I can throw Australia up. No, we're high. garbage now. We're rubbish. We're, we're all locked down, locked up, can't travel, you know, like it's, it's complete. It's, it's a sad time for us at the moment, but um, British though, like 70.3 world titles, they're winning, um, medals at the Olympics, they're winning Super League. I mean, you know, sprint, they, they're all over the shop. Now, the teams, though, I know you're a very close watcher of the teams, Kevin, as you love yourself a little bit of the Super League teams. Let me give you a little bit of an update now. The, the crap team is the Rhinos. Clearly, the Rhinos are garbage this year. Um, they're on 149 points. The Cheaters, who have got Annie Emerson as their manager, they're, they're at, so Ronnie, Ronnie S. Skiznik, he's, he's running the Rhinos. Annie Emerson's running the Cheetahs, and they're they're in third, fourth place. Uh, then you've got your uh, you got your Sharks, Michelle Dillon running that lot on 189 points. Chris McCormack Macker is running the Scorpions, who are coming second on 197. And the Eagles and Tim Don is heading up that lot are on 275. The Eagles are braining everybody at the moment. So now I've been actively sort of you know wondering. Uh, asking some friends who've got some kids and saying, hey, do your kids run a SLT Eagles shirt or a SLT Sharks shirt? Or, you know, are they getting into the gear and the caps and everything else? And I'm not getting much from it. So, <laughs> but, but maybe we're building to this. We're building to this. Last round in Malibu uh, this weekend will feature two Olympic champions as well, just casually slotting in there at the end. So, um It'd be very interesting to see what happens in the, the big battle between the Eagles and the Scorpions. Mm. There you go. <laughs> I just, I love the, I do like the concept. I like the fact he's going, you know what? I'm going to do it over a month, get involved, going to put some teams together. I like it. I mean, I think he's, he's building something. I, I love the, I love the month thing. I'm, and, yeah, and me I just, too. I'm struggling with the, with the teams. And, you know, unfortunately, for me, I really haven't had a chance to spend to um, pay as much attention to Super League because I've just been busy with so many other events, and there's just been so much going on. Mm. Uh, you know, so I, I it's been um, yeah, it it's it's been nuts this September, and it just is going to continue uh, through uh, early October, I think. Mm. Whereas I don't have a life. And I'm in lockdown for like the eighth time. So what the heck am I going to be doing? I'm stuff all to do here. So I'm just watching this crap. Um, it, it is good that, as you said, the month long is really good. The teams, again, the teams will build, I think. I think the idea of that is just to, you know, harness a little bit of that sort of team mentality, you know, get behind a group. Um, and they do that here. In, I mean, I know you, you're not really across cricket. But if you're listening here in Australia, you'll understand when I talk about the Big Bash League, which is like this abbreviated version of the five-day cricket, and they play it over a couple of hours, and it's just all dudes with, you know, hitting big shots over the fence and stuff. And there's a real uptake in kids running around with colours and, you know, supporting a team because they've put them all around the state. So they're all state-based. And it works really well. And I think Mac has looked at that and gone, you know what, I'm going to build this franchise but i'm going to build it in a month which is awesome because he gets it done again like we were saying the other day each week we go okay well what's when's the next race um and maybe next time brownlee's going to beat alex yee doing the sprint finish and you know 
that I think the teams is just a byproduct of that, and they'll that'll build as well. But it's a cool concept, and it's working. And he's seeing we're seeing some good racing, um, and that's what we want to see: good athletes sort of getting after each other, which is the idea of good sport. I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe you you were talking about all of the the British stuff, and you didn't mention that. Um, the top four females in the uh, Super League standings right now, all from Great Britain. Yeah, well, again, you look at um, you look at what they did on the the weekend, and the first two women are British, and then they roll into their overall standings. And you're right; I mean, it's just they're they're just loaded. So yeah, you know, um, and it, look, <laughs> it's a bit goofy, but it's a, it's a good concept, and and. Anything, as we said the other day, that gives triathletes the opportunity to to spend, um, you know, a few weeks in a league like this, I'm all for it. I think it's a good concept, and it's something we should again probably embrace um, as a triathlon loving public. Uh, but Kevin, we are just about to hit the hour, which means um, we're going to hit the eject button and uh, sashay our way out of here. I uh, appreciate your efforts as per usual. You can find us on the Life of Tri on Instagram. You can find Kevin at Triathlon Magazine Canada, where is the only place that you go to get anything triathlon. Let's uh, get all your news, views, and gossips from the man himself, uh, Kevin McKinnon. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks so much, Phil. We'll be back in another week with uh, the Life of Tri. Thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you tell your friends, and we'll uh, catch you next week. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.